Hello and welcome back to Pastoral Parsha. I'm Hody Nemus, a third-year rabbinical student at YCT Rabbinical School. And I'm Michelle Friedman, Chair of Pastoral Counseling at YCT. In each episode of this podcast, we explore psychological insights gleaned from the Torah portion of the week. And we also share with our listeners concepts and techniques that are taught in the Pastoral Counseling Program at YCT, where we try to integrate Torah wisdom and contemporary understandings from modern psychology. In this podcast, we're talking about Itzavim, which is towards the end of the Book of Devarim, Deuteronomy, chapter 29, verse 9, through chapter 30, verse 20. And this Parsha, which is always read before Rosh Hashanah, has great relevance to Rosh Hashanah and the whole high holiday period, because the theme of Nitzavim is Tshuva. So this is the time to talk about it, obviously because of uh, the the season, but also because of the where we are in the Torah. This is uh, we're at the end of Devarim. We're finishing a book and uh, finishing the Torah, and and Moshe is really and God are talking about you know how we are going to mess up as a people, and how we can come back, how we can become better people. Um, there are sort of the the arc of this parsha is. The children of Israel, once they enter the land, they're going to become self-satisfied. They're going to become smug, and they're going to start worshiping other gods, right? And eventually, God's going to punish them. They're going to be kicked out into lands of many dispersions. And um, and there's a particular verse that says, you know, basically, when all of these things have befallen you, the blessing, the curse that I've set before you, and you take them to heart amidst the various nations to which the Lord your God has banished you, and you shall return to the Lord your God. You and your children will heed his command with all your heart and soul, just as I enjoin upon you this day. Vishavta, that's the same root as Teshuva, and you shall return, return to God. Um, now, so what's that about? What is return? How do we do it? So our, thankfully, our, uh, our tradition has a lot to say about that, right? And some of that actually comes from Nitzavim. You know, it famously says, Lo bashamayim he, which many people think is referring to uh, the Torah, right? It's not in heaven. It's not across the sea. The Torah is accessible. But actually, Ramban, Nachmanides, says, that's referring to tshuva. That tshuva should feel like it's accessible. It's it, it's available to you, and indeed, that's why we have this process every year, once a year. Even if you're not feeling like you have anything to say sorry about, well, you still have to go through this process now. That's right. Even if you've had a blessed year, and you don't feel like you have anything really big to do tshuva for, we mandate a season of reflection, and we all have things that we could do better in. And in fact, that's not a pessimistic point of view. It's actually an incredibly optimistic, vibrant, alive point of view that we are always growing and that we can change and we can evolve to be better people than we currently are. That's right. And it doesn't just take something bad happening to us to cause us to uh, to reevaluate our actions. I think the message of the, the Yamim Norayim, the High Holidays, is that... Uh, we have to do this, whether even as you said, if we had a blessed year, uh, we have to uh, 
evaluate our behavior. Take stock. Yeah. All right. So how do we do it? What's the system? So there are uh, several steps that uh, that halacha, Jewish tradition, um, mandates. Here I'm drawing on Rambam in his uh, Hilchot Shuvah, Laws of, of Repenting. So basically four steps. Uh, first of all, you have to recognize what you're doing wrong and stop. And Stop it. Right. That sounds to, simple, but we know that's not a simple step. That's like the, maybe the biggest one because you have to see that you can't be involved in action, in, in acting things out. When you stop an action, whether it's a substance abuse, a uh, extramarital affair, some kind of corrupt activity, when you don't have that action to discharge whatever the feeling is, then you got to process the feeling, which mm -hmm. is really powerful. So first you have to remove that, that action. That's right. And, and do you see patients who are not able to do that? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of come and talk circles around something <laughs> because they're bothered. They're worried that maybe there's going to be consequences. They're going to get in trouble. They're going to lose something, maybe an important relationship, a job, or whatever it is. But they don't want to stop whatever it is that is gratifying them, discharging that tension. They, they, they want to sort of complain about it, but not actually do anything. I see. So if they can, in fact, stop, which we know can take even decades, right? But if they can stop whatever destructive behavior they're engaging in, so then the next step is regret, harata. Right. And really, I think, recognizing that um, you did something wrong and feeling wishing that you hadn't, wishing that, that, that you could change the past. Right, and, and um, harata, regret, is not the same as rumination, kind of a closed circuit obsessing about something. If you have true regret, you're reflecting on it. You can use the example of somebody who loses their temper and lashes out, and that person is going to say, I feel that I feel that rage coming on. I see that light turning orange to red, and I'm I see the orange, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there. I'm gonna hold my horses, and and do do, do something different. Mm -hmm. That's right. And of course, it also involves apology or making restitution for harm that's been caused. Right now, that actually I think in. Our traditional understanding would come with the next step, which is vidui, right? Okay. Verbalizing. And that means you need to actually verbalize, this is what I did at X and Y time, and this is this is how I did it. And uh, and if it involves somebody else, you have to go verbalize it to them and apologize to them. If it involves, if it doesn't involve anyone else, you, you need to verbalize it before God, uh, really in both cases before God. So let's just talk about that because verbalizing vidu, I mean, that sounds to me like psychotherapy, like talk therapy, right? <laughs> right. Like, like uh, similar at least. Well, I guess uh, talk therapy has worked for a long time in a lot of different ways. And making a kind of analogy to the human experience. And here I'll actually refer to an article I wrote some years ago with Rachel Yehuda, which was published in the Torah Umada Journal, volume 11 in 2002 and three, and it's called Psychotherapy and Chuva, Parallel and Overlapping Systems for Change. Look that up right now if you haven't read that. <laughs> right, in which we compare and contrast these two systems of change. 
But something that they both have in common is that verbalizing, putting things into words with somebody else present, and in the psychotherapy experience, you know, it's a human therapist who has his or her own uh, issues to work out. And in the Shuva experience, the Rosh Hashanah experience, the Yom Kippur experience, it's a private confession to God, but there should be an act, there's something very powerful about putting things into words in the company, in the presence of another being who you take seriously. That's right, and I assume it's putting things into words, I mean, I assume through psychotherapy, really, that allows you then to sort of have more insight into what caused you to do those, to, to, what caused you to mess up, let's say. My rabbi growing up suggested that during Musaf of Yom Kippur, he said many people have trouble connecting to the, the, uh, the Avoda service of, uh, of Yom Kippur. He said, go outside to the yard, walk around under the trees, talk out loud to God, and say what's, what you've done wrong and how you would like to change. Do vidui outside with your own words, in your language, uh, and if somebody gives you trouble, tell them I sent you. <laughs> and uh, now, how's it worked for you? I actually have done this. I haven't always done it. I, I've tried to do it during the, uh, the the break on Yom Kippur when we're not davening. But I find that it is incredibly helpful. To uh, it, it helps me because the the liturgy, while powerful, doesn't always uh, allow you to sort of express what you're feeling personally. And I find that this is a, an incredibly helpful uh, uh, activity. But what I also find is that I'm often saying the same things from year to year. Every year, it's the same problem, the same character trait that I want to work on. You would think it might be something different, but no. I don't know. I don't think so, because we are who we are, and there's kind of a core crystal to all of us. And it's like finding a diary that you wrote when you were a little kid. Actually, I have a couple of those which have pages ripped out because I <laughs> guess I found them earlier and I was so horrified that I kept writing the same things year after year. It was so embarrassing that I wasn't changing. But we kind of are who we are and we have our inborn temperaments and our learned styles and we struggle against these things and work with them for our whole lives. Our whole lives. And hopefully they get fainter and we, can, we find better strategies to manage them. And we don't um, get as we don't get so stiff-necked. Yes, I was going to say arch our backs, but why not yes. use the language of the Bible? Stiff-necked in terms of holding on to things that really don't work so well, and we can allow ourselves to be flexible and adapt better, more, more, more loving, more functional kinds of uh, ways of of dealing. Yes, I read my seventh grade journal recently. It says, <laughs> "I finally found." a solution to all of my disorganization, my discombobulation, a new organizational system involving lists and calendars. I'm so excited. You flip forward five years. I'm really struggling with disorganization. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe this is a good time to go to step four. So step four is make a plan and decide what are you going to do to make sure that when you're faced with this situation again, you will not, uh, you will not sin. So I think it's being as specific as possible because everything happens in some kind of here and now immediate context. So maybe if you had said back in whatever grade, I am going to, uh, I don't know, check my notebooks every night. You yes. had one action that you could follow through on. You know, saying you're gonna lose 50 pounds, well, that's kind of tough. But if you say, well, I am going to not eat between meals, maybe yes. that's kind of more specific yes. and manageable. And you know, for our listeners, this may sound obvious. I think it's worth, repeating and reminding everyone 
regularly because you know basically what you're saying Michelle is aim a little lower yeah. and choose what's practical because otherwise you're going to fail right and we all we all know this from experience I think and then I think when people fail when they slip back into whatever it is a bad habit or a bad sin then they sort of feel like well why why even try I'm That's just gonna give up right. I failed it's hopeless that's exactly right. So we'd like to wish you a season of recognizing what you're doing wrong, stopping and uh, having some regret, verbalizing, choosing actionable plans that, uh, that work for you, not aiming too high. And that from that, hopefully we can all grow as human beings over this Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur and the year to come. Amen. Shana Tova. So I want to invite our listeners to please give feedback. And if you would like to write to us, use the address mefriedman at yctorah.org. And we wish you all a Shabbat Shalom.